The CNBC app, global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected, stay informed. Download the CNBC app today. Good morning to Scorebox, everybody. That bloke on the right and me on the left have been talking about inflation for about most of the last year and a half. It's nice to see the politicians, the central bankers, and even a few economists are realising what's going on now. These are your headlines on Scorebox. US consumer prices surge to a 40-year high in January, sending the 10-year Treasury yield past the 2% mark. But President Biden maintains price pressures will ease. It's hard to be able to start to taper off as we go through this year. In the meantime, I'm going to do everything in my power to deal with the big points that are, that are impacting most people in their homes. Okay, uh, the Dow drops more than 500 points as yields spike with hawkish comments from the St. Louis Fed President James Bullard adding to the tech stock losses. Berlin talks do little to de-escalate the Russia-Ukraine crisis, while the UK Foreign Secretary's mission to Moscow also comes up short. And if Russia is serious about diplomacy, they need to move those troops and desist from the threats. Ideologized approaches, ultimatums, threats, moral teaching, this is the road to nowhere. France goes all in on nuclear, announcing at least half a dozen new reactors as part of President Macron's push to go carbon neutral by 2050. What we have to build today, because it's the right time, because it's what's needed for our nation, because the conditions are now right, is the renaissance of French nuclear power. And joining us later on in programming to talk about that move, we hear from the French finance minister Bruno Le Maire. That interview live 9.30 Central European time. I'm not going to do all that. You've seen it on every other channel of what people were doing back in 1982. Safe to say, Jeff and I were very much enjoying ourselves in our perspective childhoods as well. Okay, it seems that a lot of people are playing catch-ups now, aren't they, on the fact that US inflation has now jumped to 7.5% year-on-year in January as uh, CPI uh, harked back to the era of Ronald Reagan, Paul Volcker, uh, for its annual largest annual price rise in 40 years. Now, prices for everything were pretty much going up, give or take. Prices for food, for electricity, shelter, housing led the gains. CPI uh, reading topped expectations, although some of us were, um, dare I say it, talking about some of those expectations potentially being low. Oh, you can check the tapes. Uh, for And heaping more pressure on, on just about everyone, actually. It says on my read, it's heaping pressure on the Fed. Well, it's heaping pressure on a lot of those geniuses in the equity market who have got it wrong. It's a lot of the politicians who said it would abate by now as well. Politicians, by the way, who've got to be elected on both sides of the Atlantic, or certainly their parties have, and key elections coming forward. Uh, and pressure, of course, on those central bankers, especially the Fed, at its next monthly meeting. So, 
Again, you may have heard it on this channel yesterday, I don't know if you were watching, that some of us were saying it was almost inevitable that a 2% yield challenge would happen. Well, it happened there or thereabouts, didn't it? Thereafter, the yield on the US 10-year Treasury broke past the 2% level for the first time since 2019. Well, the president, very interesting, very, very interesting. The president sat down with NBC's, by the way, look at 1.6% on the two-year virtually, sat down with NBC's Lester Holt for an exclusive interview, and he reiterated his belief that inflation will subside this year. The reason for the inflation is the supply chains were cut off, meaning that the products, for example, automobiles, the lack of computer chips to be able to build those automobiles so they could function, they need those computer chips. They were not available. So what happens? We, the number of cars were reduced, the new cars reduced. It made up at one point, one third the cost of inflation because the price of automobiles were up. So what I did when I went out and made sure we started to make those domestically, we got Intel to come in and provide $20 billion to build a new facility. A number of organizations are doing the same kinds of things. When can Americans expect some relief from this soaring inflation? According to Nobel laureates, 14 of them that contacted me and a number of corporate leaders, it's ought to be able to start to taper off as we go through this year. In the meantime, I'm going to do everything in my power to deal with the big points that are, that are impacting most people in their homes. You know Jeff and I are apolitical on this one as well. We have a go at Trump as much as we have a go at Biden. We'll have a go at the Labour government as much as we'll have a go uh, at the Conservative government that's in place at the moment as well. But safe to say, the government will do all it can in its power. Well, is that including the SPR release that you had, sir, when we were $82 a barrel and we're now at $91 a barrel? Is that including all your trillions of dollars of spending, which many of those economists I'm sure you were speaking to, sir, uh, were talking about as in adding to the inflationary pressure? Very interesting. He talks about it abating later in the year. I wonder if that will help him in November. Five-year paper. Five-year paper. one95 Ten-year, a few days ago, was 1.7, 1.6. I tell you what, before you flip over onto, in fact, flip over onto the markets. I just want to show you the equity markets. Thanks, Adam. Just want to show you. Look at these. And this is another point as well, which again, you know, look at the. You'll see it on the headline writers. Market falls aggressively on the back of this. Nasdaq's down 2.1%. All those growth concerns there. The S&P 500 down 1.8%. The Dow losing 500 points. What do you think? Ladies and gentlemen, these markets are down for the week. What do you think the Dow's down for the week? What do you think the Nasdaq's down for the week? I'll tell you. The Dow for the week so far is up 0.4 of 1%. The S&P is a decimal away from the flat line. The Nasdaq is up 6 tenths for the week. I know the futures look a bit dicky. I'll show you the futures later on. But the fact of the matter is, even though we've hit 2%, we are still glacial compared to where we could be considering. I'll tell you what, though, there are some markets that are still really under pressure. Russell 2K, Russell 2K, it's a new one. Russell 2K is down 16.6 from its high. Dow Jones Transports, which is historically a marker of where the economy is going next. Jeff told me that one. Down 16% for the week. So we have a look at the banks. Did the banks go up? I'm very interested with the banks. Even the banks, because they, you know, you guys out there, you know your knee jerk. Your knee jerk is to buy the banks because you think of your net interest margin. Doesn't always work like that. Think of credit quality. They were down across the board, though. Not much. Goldman's down a percent. Wells down. Wells is flat. 
Uh, Bank of America down 0.47%. Now, I'll show you the futures now. They're, they're going to be here, apparently. I'm very excited. Oh, my God, they are as well, for once. So we are down again. But quite frankly, this is such early days on the futures. It really is early days. Anyway, Jeffrey Cutmore, lovely to see you. I hope you got back okay from Credit Suisse all right yesterday, mm. given their awful numbers. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely fine, Steve. Thank you. Uh, there was no one waiting to, to mug me for my reporting, if that's what you're asking. Um, there are some markets, though, that are enjoying this uh, period of higher inflation in product. And I'll, I'll show you one in just a moment. And maybe we can talk about that with our guest as well. But let's tell you a little bit more about the reaction to that inflation print. The uh, St. Louis Fed president, James Bullard, said he is now looking for rates to go up by 100 basis points by July the 1st. After telling Bloomberg he has dramatically increased his expectations for 2022. Bullard forecasts uh, uh, would require the Fed to hike rates by 50 basis points at a meeting before July, which would be the first time since 2000 that the Fed has raised interest rates by a half a percentage point in a single move. The uh, St. Louis Fed president is a voting member this year. Meanwhile, the Richmond Fed president, Thomas Barkin, has issued a dovish note by comparison, saying he would need to be convinced of the need for a 50 basis point hike. Barkin is a non-voting member of the FOMC this year. Bullard's hawkish outlook, allied to uh, the red-hot inflation print, saw investors price in an almost 100% chance the Fed will hike rates by a half a percentage point in March. The market is also increasingly treating each of the FOMC's seven meetings this year as live, according to CME Futures. Did you see Goldman Sachs? They moved from five to seven hikes this year in their forecast. Meanwhile, the National Economic Council director, Brian Deese, told CNBC that despite the spike in inflation, wages are also starting to rise. In January, we saw, for example, real wages were up because even with the inflation print that came in, real wages uh, over the month were seven tenths of a percent. Now, that's just one month. But what that's what we want to see across time is we want to see wage growth continuing with moderation on the price increase side. What we can do here is really work on the supply side, get more people to work and unstick these bottlenecks while providing some practical relief to consumers. So we know about the issue with semiconductors and uh, that impact on uh, auto prices and uh, other products that have the chips in them. Let's talk a little bit about the softs, though, soft commodities. We've uh, seen an announcement from both Coca-Cola and Pepsi about raising prices. Um, and that's because we're also seeing this inflation running through the softs. And so we've got a few charts here. We'll just show you soybeans. Uh, soybeans up uh, 17.45 year to date here, also uh, benefiting, as you can see, from the, uh, the, the recent concerns around inflationary pressure. It's the fourth straight weekly gain here for soybeans. Uh, corn up over 3.4% week to date. It's the best week since November the 12th. Corn up 8.18% year to date. And wheat also hitting new highs, up over 1% week to date. It's the third positive week uh, for wheat. Um, and as you can see, you need to think about markets uh, where there are opportunities to take advantage 
of this shift in the inflation story. Um, The Nasdaq has not been the place to be, but here's a market that might surprise you. But when you think about it, um, it is clear the Bovespa is up 9% year to date. It is a market that has very few growth technology stocks. I can't think of too many off the top of my head. It's also a market that has some financials, obviously uh, some oil, and it has plenty of companies that are focused on soft commodities. So when you lament that markets are lower and there's this big impact on headline uh, US stocks, just bear in mind there is always a market somewhere that is benefiting from the shift in sentiment, Steve. So um, I wouldn't encourage people to go to Brazil because we don't necessarily encourage people to do anything with their portfolios here. But we are here to point out to you that there are some opportunities in some parts of the world where others appear to be closed. Steve. Nice work, my friend. Right, let's speak to Eric Norland, senior economist at CME Group. Eric, you've heard everything I had to say and Jeff had to say and the markets had to say as well. Who's this the biggest headache for this CPI? The, the central bankers who have got it wrong, the politicians who are getting it wrong, or the market that doesn't have a clue? Well, I think it's probably the biggest headache is all for is for for consumers who are seeing higher prices. Uh, but I think it is definitely a headache for the central banks. I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of the Federal Reserve, um, they have seven and a half percent headline inflation, six percent core inflation, and currently their policy rate is at one eighth of one percent, which means that their real rate of interest is something like negative seven percent, which is almost without precedent in our history. In terms of, and I hear what you're saying about the consumers who happen to also be voters as well, of course, as as you and our viewers well know. So that's a big problem for the Biden administration, which has pumped trillions of dollars into the economy as well. Um, But the fact of the matter is a lot of people have got this very wrong. Now, even if the doves are right and we see inflation abating in the second half of the year, we're still going to see a level which is significantly above the 2% target level. So all those people out there who are saying it's going to come off, it's going to come off, they still need to realise it's going to be above 2%, isn't it, Eric? Well, I mean, it seems we don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but that does seem likely. If you look at um, if you look at the break-even inflation spreads on one-year U.S. standard U.S. Treasuries versus uh, inflation-linked bonds that have one year left to maturity, uh, the bond market's sort of implicit assumption is that inflation in the next twelve months should come in around three point seven percent, which is about half the previous rate. Uh, but as you point out, it's still way, way above a 2% target. Um, and then further than that, the market after after this year thinks inflation will abate to maybe 2.7% in the next few years. And then eventually will come down to around two to two and a quarter percent over the long term. Um, so that that's the market's view of how inflation is going to turn out. Eric, the the market's been looking at, say, 1.5 or 1.75 as the terminal rate for the rate hiking cycle this time round. But given those kind of inflation numbers you've been talking about, should the market be adjusting its expectation of, of where ultimately interest rates will stop? I mean, that, that's a really good question. If you, um, I mean, first of all, after after yesterday's number, I think you're right. The the market's kind of thinking that the Fed's going to 
perhaps stop raising rates around 175 to two, or maybe uh, two to two and a quarter. Um, what's interesting about that is it kind of assumes that in the long term um, that the Fed's going to hold its policy rate um, at about the rate of inflation over the long term, which the market's pricing at around two and a quarter percent. Um, so, you know, from that perspective, the market thinks that the the essentially equilibrium real rate of interest is zero. Um, and I think that may be the case because we still have extraordinarily high levels of debt in the economy. Um, and so the market's view since the global financial crisis has been that interest rates have to remain relatively low in order for us to finance this enormous debt burden. Can I ask you about the reaction we're likely to see in the soft commodity space here? We We'll go into a, a fresh planting season for, for American farmers in, what, April time for the 2022 crop. Are we going to see a significant increase in planting in response to these higher prices? Or are these farmers struggling at the moment with debt? Um, I think that they, there may be some debts that have piled up as a result of a few years of, of not great harvest or, um, or, or somewhat lower prices, but I, I would expect plantings would advance quite uh, quite a lot. I think that um, you know, people tend to respond to, to incentives and the higher prices are definitely sending a signal um, that we need more of these goods. Another thing that would argue in, that, in favor of that would be um, the fact that stocks to use ratios are relatively low around the world for corn, soy, and wheat. Um, so the, the amount of uh, supply and inventory is not particularly large by historical standards. Um, so I think there'll be a lot of countries and a lot of suppliers that are going to look to build up inventories as well. And that may also encourage the farmers to, to plant a bit more crop this year. Eric, is there a scenario uh, uh, which is near to the base case where actually the economist community is getting it completely wrong again uh, and actually rates, uh, beg your pardon, yields have to carry on going up and inflation carries on going up because of the trillions of dollars of stimulus that are being pumped into the globe because of the interest rates which remain at or near zero around the globe as well because demand continues to pick up around the globe because there are supply problems, i.e. could we be on the cusp of something more... Uh, worrying and dramatic on the inflation front because economists who have got it wrong for the last year continue to get it wrong. Well, I mean, like there are there are risks both ways. There's risks that inflation could surprise you know substantially to the high side. There's also risks that it could come down. Um, yeah, I think that the you know, that there are risks on the upside in the sense that you rightly point out that there has been a lot of spending in addition to that, um, the tremendous run up in real estate prices as well as uh, the equity market over the last two years um, has left a lot of people uh, flush with cash. And so as they see prices go up, they may decide to bring forward some of their spending decisions, um, which can you know, contribute to this problem of too much uh, demand chasing too few goods. Um, so there are definitely risks on the upside. There are also risks weighted in the other direction as well. Uh, for example, if we were to see a significant correction in the equity market, we might see a sort of the markets tightening financial conditions on their own without the Federal Reserve intervening. Um, and also when it comes to spending in Washington, um, I think that a lot of the big spending is now behind us. Um, and we're going to probably be looking for a more fiscally conservative uh, stance going forward. Tax revenues are increasing at the moment. Um, and you also see, um, I think you'll see a lot less, a lot less federal spending um, as some of these programs sort of roll off. Nice work, Eric. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, love to hear from you again. Thank you, sir. Eric Norland, Senior Economist at CME Group. 
European Central Bank President uh, Christine Lagarde, here we go, is cautioning against raising the central bank's main interest rate too fast. How about raising it at all, Madam Lagarde? Uh, arguing it would not solve the inflation problem and choke the recovery. Uh, in an interview with Germany's RND, she insisted the ECB would only withdraw its aggressive stimulus policy gradually when conditions allowed. Well, there you go. Uh, coming up on the show, the world's two top cola makers. Two top co uh, Pepsi and Coca-Cola, yeah? Is that what we're saying? Okay, well, there you go. There's the pictures. Coca-Cola. Uh, let's just call it how it is. Pepsi and Coca-Cola are warning of profit measures this year. Hey, wait for it. Amid rising costs. Uh, we'll hear their view on the inflation environment after this. Plus, Jeffrey. Yeah, maybe we'll also hear from Panda Pops. Maybe they're putting their prices up. Anyway, if you uh, want to hear more about the state of inflation in the global economy, then do check out the Squawk Box podcast. Head over to Spotify and Apple for your update. Listen to CNBC's Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the biggest tech news from across the globe. Join me, Arjun Karpal. And me, Tom Chitty, every week as we bring you insights into the top stories, unpack the latest trends, and find out where the industry is headed. Now available on Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Okay, I'm going to do two things here. Katie doesn't know about that, but I'm going to, she's the producer. She's the one who's trying to keep me and Jeff on track. First of all, I'll tell you the Volvo numbers. Uh, um, All-time high revenue, profitability for the full year 2021. Retail sales fully are up 6%. Fourth quarter down 20% to 168,000 units. Uh, demand for companies' cars remains strong with growing unit sales despite persistent component shortages, supplies in the auto industry. You get the story by now, don't you? The auto manufacturers are transitioning. Electric is going to be a much bigger part of the market share. Um, here you go. Share of fully electric cars as part of total sales will continue to grow as Volvo cars increase annual production capacity for fully electric cars to 150,000 a year after summer. The problem here, and the second thing I was going to do is I've just been on the Volvo Cars UK shop website. And even before you start configuring your car, including your XC40 recharge core or your whatever, it says delivery up to nine months. And that's the problem about the fourth quarter. You can order a car, you can want a car, unless you're willing to pay a huge premium off some dealer who can get you a virtually new car. The fact of the matter is you can't get hold of your car. Nine month delivery times. Therein lies the problem uh, for Volvo, for Volkswagen, for Tesla, for you name it out there. There are big problems on supply chain. Supply chain is expected to remain a restraining factor. There uh, is pretty much the nub of it. Um, we will speak to Hock and Samuelson in a very short while. Katie's taken away the, uh, the link, but it's actually 8.30 Central European time. Uh, Jeffrey, I'm sure that the abating of the inflationary concerns in the second half of the year is being um, talked about by the big consuming products, or is it? Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, you know what? I hate to sound like a Victorian dad, Steve, but it might do some people some good to have a little bit of delayed gratification for a change. Might make them wonder if they actually need to buy in the first place. Anyway, a number of top US consumer companies posted earnings overnight. There was a common theme. Coca-Cola beat estimates on the top and the bottom line, but its 2022 forecast 
was weaker than expected as it predicted that higher inflation would continue to weigh on profits. Rivals PepsiCo and Kellogg also warned investors about rising costs for commodities, packaging and transportation. Well, speaking with CNBC, PepsiCo's vice chairman Hugh Johnston says the company is well positioned to handle the current inflationary environment despite current price volatility. For the year, we're expecting commodity inflation really about uh, low double digits. It's going to be pretty high for us. We give ourselves pretty good price certainty by buying ahead. So therefore, we we plan for uh, potentially higher inflation, but we react with our pricing to the facts. The Kellogg's chairman and CEO, Steve Callahan, also weighed in on how the company is managing rising costs. Productivity is our first line of defense against inflation. But when we're seeing the type of inflation that we're seeing, uh, you do have to go through your whole revenue growth management toolkit. So part of that is price, but it's the other things that you mentioned. It's promotion management, trade management, making sure that every dollar that we spend uh, is getting a return for us. And so, you know, it can't be just price. It's got to be the full toolkit of what we look at. Back on the tech stocks, Twitter profits slid, but met expectations. Revenue fell. The company says it largely dodged the effect of privacy changes, hurting Facebook parent Meta and also announced a new $4 billion share buyback program. The CFO, Ned Siegel, told CNBC why the company decided to launch the buyback now. We ended the year with $6.5 billion of cash. We added a billion in very early January from the sale of Mopub, which allowed us to focus more of our resources on the ads opportunity on Twitter. So with $7.5 billion of cash, we feel like we can continue to invest in the growth opportunities inside the company, but also return cash to shareholders. Inside of that $4 billion share repurchase, We plan to enter an accelerated share repurchase program to buy $2 billion worth of the shares in the very near term and then to have the flexibility to buy back more over time. Thank you for listening to Squawk Box Europe Express. For more market-moving news, you can head to cnbc.com. Or join us again on the show with Jeff Cutmore, Steve Sedgwick and Karen Show Weekdays on CNBC.